Okay, so welcome to Smoke and the Snow, Season 2, Episode 1. When we finished our last time, our heroes had been exploring the, the realm of Dolmenwood, a strange fairy tale forest that had been cast into a, a sort of pocket dimension by the ancient sect of wizards known as the Droon in order to escape the ancient oncoming Ice Age. Our heroes discovered that the linchpin of their enchantment was a blade known as the Green Steel, apparently one of three blades, the, the Sun Sword, the Night Blade and the Green Steel, the Sun Sword having been possessed by Weimar for quite some time, and the Night Blade being possessed by a once ally, now potential enemy of theirs, seeking to secure the second sword so they might stand against the wielder of the Night Blade. After various adventures, and despite debating the danger that sort of pulling this linchpin out and unraveling this enchantment could cause, they defeated the Stone Guardian of the Green Steel and plucked it out from the enchanted stone circle where it rested. This had the immediate effect of the ley lines which had been bent into strange shapes in order to fuel this enchantment and maintain the Dolmen Ward in its eternal summer in this pocket dimension began to unravel at a rapid pace. Taking their sword, the heroes hot-footed it back to the wench gate, the portal which leads out of the Dolmen Ward, and burst through it. When they arrived on the other side, they emerged into what appeared to be a balmy late summer morning, which is strange given that Balconan has previously been shrouded in winter, but it appears that much has changed since they've been away, the, the realms have merged as this magic ran out of control. And as their eyes adjusted to the, the bright sunlight and the, the slightly warmer than they'd been used to temperatures, they saw a stone statue of themselves that had been erected at the edge of the clearing in the forest. When they examined it, brushing the moss off, they discovered that approximately... 10 years had passed on the Valconan side since they went through the gateway and the landscape appeared subtly different as they glanced around and potentially there are wider changes that have occurred as a result of the, the realms merging back together but we pick up with our heroes as they have emerged stumbling out of this enchanted gateway into the wolf forest a few days to the east of New Zealand, the village they helped settle on the southern shores of Valconan. As I say, it's a bright, sort of late summer, sunshiny day. As you look around, you, those who are more perceptive, and it's up to you players whether you notice this or not, those of you who look around, you immediately start to notice a few changes after you've looked at the statue. You can see that whereas previously the, the wolf forest was primarily a coniferous forest, when you look around now, you are standing in the, the dappled shades of mighty, thick-trunked oak trees that rise high into the sky above you, sort of blotting out a lot of the sun, just thin shafts of it shining through the canopy of the trees. As you look at the leaves, you see they've 
the colour has just started to change slightly from green as though the first sort of wafts of autumn have just breathed gently on the leaves of these mighty oaks. The statue is in front of you. The, the portal you used to regain entry to Valconan, now dark, devoid of the magical energies that powered it, lies behind you. The forest is all around. However, unlike previously where it was silent, save for the chirping of a few birds and the, the howling of the wolves, which give the forest its name, it now appears to be almost replete with life. You can hear birds tweeting, animals chirping, Compared to the, the previous silence of this woodlands, it's a veritable cacophony of sound that meets you as you stumble out of this gateway. So, over to you guys as you all stumble out wearing whatever you were wearing when you were in Dolmwood. Obviously, you have full plate armor in Wamas, guys. Um, so the temperature's rised a few degrees, certainly, hasn't it? Most definitely. Certainly to you, being used to the, the cold, being an Oswalker, mm. you immediately notice, for you, it's almost like you've um, you've stepped into a sauna or just this waft of heat hits you. Is this even warmer than a summer? It's... Did I say? On, an, on a sort of real-world scale of things, we're talking about sort of like a, a, a temperate sort of late summer day. So it's not like it's not like tropical temperatures, but obviously to you who's used to the freezing Arctic temperatures, it feels very warm. And I meant compared to the summer of this land before. Oh, compared to compared obviously. to the summer the previous yeah. short summer of Balcon, and it definitely yeah. feels warmer, like oh, no, right. noticeably so. But like I say, so it's, not, it's not tropical. No, but it's certainly different and sort of unnatural almost yeah. at first glance. Certainly um, not what you're used to. Yeah, we've we've basically just sort of run through the portal, haven't we? We sort of just hot footed it. Yeah, you, you've basically literally just you, arrived. You you ran through. You you quickly saw the statue. You examined that. Saw that it had the uh, the sort of carving on it. You know, like one day they may return. And you sort of worked out it was like roughly ten years have passed, and then you sort of like started looking around, just like taking in your surroundings. And this is what you see. I say it now appears that the wolf forest is this mighty oak forest, rather than yeah. sort of thin-leafed coniferous forest that you're previously in. I shall. Uh, I look over to Malcolm, and I say, "I hope this sword that you carry was worth whatever's happened to our homeland." As do I. Um, As he says that, Malcolm, you you glance down at sort of taking in the details of the the green steel for for the first time, really, given your like hasty departure from from Dolmenwood and the the fight to retrieve it, and you see it as this long sort of steel made blade, but through the the steel blade are these fine sort of almost like thread like traceries of. Uh, some sort of emerald green substance that like almost like little vein tiny veins or like the traceries on leaves that run down the length of the blade okay i guess only time will tell friend brock whether we have made the right choice 
I mean, we haven't even had a chance to even look at it properly until now, like John said. So, I mean, have you got any idea of... I mean, is it similar to the Sunblade? To be honest, when you when you look at them, so obviously like Weimar could take out the Sun Sword as well. When you look at the two of them, they look distinctly different. I mean, his is made out of a sort of strange crystalline substance. Yours is mm. made out of steel with these green traceries through it. If you didn't know there was a link between them, there's nothing overtly in the appearance of them that would tell you that they're not. They're not like they've all been made from the same sort of mold, so to speak. And have, and since you've carried this weapon, have you had any of these strange? Talkings that curse Weimar? No, nothing at all. It's just a fancy sword. Mm. Well, perhaps time will tell. Um, Indeed. Should we see what has become of Lucille Land? As they're having this discussion, Quentin, where where are you? What, what are you up to? Um, I'm inspecting this old portal we've just come through. Okay. Because you said it's turned darker. Yeah, it's, um, it's not so much the actual material that makes it up as turned darker, but obviously previously it was lit by the sort of energies of the portal. Yeah. Whereas now it seems to be like inert again. And I'm also just looking around the forest and seeing, you know, how much has it changed um, since we last traversed here okay roll me a d6 it's a two okay splendor Hopefully you can all see that map I've just moved you onto, or you will be able to shortly. I'll see if it gets still loading for some of you. Thankfully, you know, I've not really known the village much, so it doesn't really bother me what's happened to it. I just want to go and put my head down for a bit and try and figure out. Okay, so as you're sort of thinking about that and you're having a bit of a, a look around, Quentin, but everyone else is talking, they don't appear to have noticed this, but you hear the sounds of like, rapid footsteps running through the the undergrowth to the south of you and as you look to the south you see a a man wearing sort of strangely fashioned clothes like a, a long coat a, a waistcoat sort of like boots etc he's running with like a panicked expression on his face <laughs> and it, you see he's like carrying some sort of like burlap sack over his shoulder like he's sort of holding on to as he's running and as he's sort of running up here, the head like straight for you guys. As he's running behind him, you can see what appears to be a the long, low, lithe shape of a wolf pursuing him out of the 
the greenery, the sort of massive foliage. And as you look around, quickly taking your surroundings with practiced ease, you can also see sort of other indistinct, like loping shapes moving through the trees all around. Okay, I'll just call out to him then. It's over here, and I'll get my dagger ready to throw it. Yeah, he's, he he looks at you. He, he sort of doesn't. He looks sort of breathy. Doesn't have a chance to say anything. So you you effectively get to that, have a quick action before anyone else reacts. The wolf's following him. What do you want to do? Uh, you I'll, you I'll can see it's getting ready to spring, presumably when it gets within range of him. Yeah, yeah go, so go for a dagger throw. I doubt that does anything. So. No, you throw your dagger. However, the wolf has to swerve slightly to avoid it, so it's not going to be able to like spring on him this turn. Okay, now the rest of you guys, obviously, by the commotion of this guy, like, <gasps> like running out with his sack over his shoulder, uh, Quentin just sort of leaning around and wanging this dagger at this wolf. You're all obviously now aware of what's going on. So I'm going to ask, can one of you please roll the initiative for your group? It's up to you who you want to roll it. It's just standard. I can do it. Okay. Uh, six. Nice. Okay, that's going to take some beating by the older wolf. Okay, yep, so you guys are going first. Okay. Uh, how many shapes can we see? It's difficult to tell because they're quite indistinct and they're moving between the trees. But there must be that there's easily like over half a dozen. Okay. So I would like to shoot this wolf. Okay. That's okay. Uh, 12. That is exactly what you need to hit. Okay, so that's three points of damage. And I want to put myself between this guy and the wolf. And dog will stay with me. Yeah, no problems. So your arrow hits this wolf in the flank. It lets out a sort of whinnying howl. And I'm going to make a quick morale check for it. Okay, it slowly, I mean, obviously it's not its go, so it's not done it fully yet, but it basically slowly starts to like slink back towards the trees with your arrow sticking out of its flank. Okay, who wants to go next? I'm all out of ammo, so I'll just wait. <laughs> okay, why am I? Yeah, I'm kind of far away. So the shapes, uh, are we talking south or also, you know, west? All, north, all around. Every, every, absolutely everywhere. Yeah, mostly to the north and south. Yeah, okay. Uh, I guess I'll pull out a bow and uh, shoot this one. Mm -hmm. You need a 12 to hit. 
Where's my bow? Oh, there we go. That's a mighty one damage. <laughs> Starting the year off with a bang. Huh? Yeah, start as you mean to go on. Yeah, so your arrow like grazes this wolf as it's already falling back, and you do see like a like a thin trickle of blood running down its like grey coat. Okay, Brock. Um, I'm going to say to the other members of the group that are standing nearby, let's keep together. And I sort of gesture that we back up, sort of back to back with Harp and form a bit of a, a sort of circle. Um, and I'm going to get out my Spear of the Hunter yep. and just be surveying to the north. So if anything comes out of those trees, I'm going to launch my spear at it. Um, but I'm not actively going to head into the woods or just going to try and watch the shadows okay. amongst the trees. I'm just going to... Is Lan doing anything oh, this round? I managed to move everyone there. Uh, she's just moving behind me. She she hasn't got any ranged weapon or anything, so she's just again sort of surveying the trees. No problem. On guard. So on weapon the, drawn. On the NPCs go. These shapes start resolving themselves into a number of other wolves lurking in the trees that surround you. Okay, so you see that this wolf here, the one you've injured, continues to fall back. Obviously, I'm not going to move all the wolves on the map, but effectively they're sort of they're circling you as a pack of animals would do. And anyone familiar with hunting or the wilderness will know that they're effectively these sort of animals, these pack hunters. They tend to sort of circle their prey, you know, looking for a weak spot or like the weakest link that they can then go in and sort of take down there. They tend to do more sort of like hit and run tactics rather than just all piling in and trying to kill everything. So for that turn, these wolves are sort of like circling around you, no doubt trying to discover if there's a way they can get at you. Back over to you guys. Has this guy got any weapons, this... Uh... The guy to come running up towards us. He appears to have a sort of quite badly conditioned um, short bow. Has he got arrows? Yeah, he's got. Oh, good. I'll be using his arrows then for the time being. Yeah. he's He seems to be like in some sort of shock. He's not. You can see he's actually got like a couple of minor injuries, presumably where these creatures have been at him. But yeah, he's got like 12 arrows. He's not in any state to like put up a fight if you nick an arrow off him. It's a miss. And yeah, you yoink one of his arrows out of the primitive like leg sort of quiver he's wearing down his left leg. Notch it to your bow and fire it. But with all these creatures sort of moving around, obviously using the shadows of these huge oak trees to their advantage, it's very difficult to get a bead on them. When you fire out, you just hear the... 
of it going through the, the foliage. Um, I'm going to hand him a torch and a way of lighting it and say, you know, light this up to keep them away if they do attack. Okay. And um, land's going to take a bit more of a defensive position with harp, so we got a bit better. Uh, I will shoot this guy here on the left. Uh, just try and scare him away. Okay, sorry, which ones are you shooting? Uh, this one. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, and that is a miss. Again, rather like Quentin, you fire your bow and it skims a tree and you see it stick into a branch. Okay, so just one more left then, I believe. Right. Okay. Before you take your action, Wama, can you roll hmm. me a d6? Four. Okay, so obviously as this guy's run over to you, like I say, carrying this sack, and you guys are like, oh, get in the middle, we'll like, protect you, whatever. He's like, He's like chucked down the sack on the floor. He's he's struggling to get get his bow out. Quentin's like he's helping like Quentin take arrows out of his quiver, etc. Um, you're just about to, to take your actions of keeping like, an eye on these these wolves, these creatures that are circling you. When you swear out the corner of your eye, you see the burlap sack, which is like tied up at the top with with thick cord, and is now lying in like a heap on the ground. You swear you see the sack twitch slightly. Okay. Um, said sack is it? Is it dry on the outside? Yeah. Cool. Okay, we'll leave it to be for now. Um, this goes up, I presume. Like the the small, I presume that's like a change in elevation. Yeah, it's it's only a very slight one though, so you can yeah. easily clamber up it. Right. Okay. So then I guess I can see this one. Yep. If it's not too high. So we'll, we'll give that a shot. And um, so where's the sack? Sorry. Uh, on the, the, the sack's basically next to where the, the guy is. Sort of like yeah. Bit. It's basically yeah. in the square just to the, the north of him, like next to where right. you, Brock, and Quentin are stood. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll, so, I'll, I'll keep half an eye on that. Yeah. And uh, put an arrow this way. Here we go. Okay, that's a hit. And that's some damage. Indeed. You launch an arrow into the the foliage, and you're rewarded when you hear the, the whinnying cry of one of these beasts as the arrow finds its mark. Okay, so... Wolves, they're going to move in. I'm going to have two of them running. So, like I say, they're on that hit and run tip, and they've identified what they think is the weakest member of the group, which is uh, Malcolm's dog. So, two of them are going to run in and attack the dog. So, let's see, wolf bite, first one. 
is a miss. Your dog is able to fend off the first wolf as the two of them rush in. The second one. However, your dog takes three hit points of damage as the second wolf runs in and sort of like nips at one of its back legs. So I'll leave you to put that on your, your dog's carriage sheet, uh, Malcolm. Okay. Yeah, it's so nip. Lovely. And that's all the wolves are doing for this turn. The rest are all sort of circling warily. They're, like I say, they're, they're not they're animals, they're not mindless monsters, they're not just all rushing in to try and like pile drive you. They're, they're looking for a weak link, someone they can just like take out quickly and then get back out again. Two of them have gone for the dog. It's taken a bit of a, a few nips on its back leg, but otherwise seems okay because it's like quite a tough sort of dog. Over to you guys. Who wants to go first? Uh, I will because they bit my dog. Um, so I think I'll attack the one to the south of the dog. Uh, so that's eight points of damage. Okay. Okay, um, so uh, is this you attacking it or is this your, your dog? Wait, you attack with that was steel, that was so. me, but the dog, yeah, with the green steel, yeah, and then. Okay, the... so you you charge in with the green steel, and as you draw it, there's no like uh, like the sun sword. There's no like massive like ray of light bursts out of it. However, you do notice that as you as you swing the sword, the the sort of air around the blade appears to like shimmer slightly, almost like there's like a a sort of heat haze coming from it, although you don't feel any heat emanating from it. It's just that like subtle distortion of the air you get in like a heat haze. And it strikes the wolf a, a palpable blow. It lets out this howling cry as a huge cut is opened down its side. You can see that like it's sort of like leaning heavily on one of its legs, like the legs not really holding it up any longer. Okay. And then Dog will also bite the same one. Okay. Uh, and he does 19 points. Sorry, 6 points of damage. Okay, I was going to say 19 points of damage. I'll say your dog's not that good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wish. Okay, so seeing the seeing the opening that your blow has made to like relieve itself of one of its tormentors, your dog literally runs in sinks its teeth into the throat of this wolf and just tears its throat out. The wolf lets out a sickening gurgle and collapses to the grassy floor of the forest twitching feebly for a few moments before lying still. And then he'll howl. Indeed he does. This howl reverberates through the forest clearing a number of the wolves sort of howl back in response as though they're sort of like in a sort of strange canine way. Maybe they're trying to psych each other out or something like that. You're not really sure. You're not, you're not an expert on canine psychology. But uh, that's certainly what it seems like. But who would like to go next? I'm going to help myself to another arrow and um, I'm going to concentrate on this one. Which one? Sorry, oh that one. Yeah, I see it. Okay, go for it. Uh, 
Yep, so you your arrow finds its mark and sinks into the wolf. Okay, Wymo, what are you up to? Oh. I guess because there's a lot of noise now coming over this way, I'll spin around and put a... Put a... Uh, no, I'll um, stick the bow in the ground, spin around, fetch my pistol, and shoot this. Okay, now bear in mind that is in, in combat with the dog. Ah, uh, so it is. Dog. It is. It is. So we're not doing that. I'll so, shoot my dog. So as as we've um, as we've said previously, the way that would work is if you took a move and just fired, it'd be like oh, there's a fifty fifty chance you'll hit the dog. Mm -hmm. If you like, so like one to three on a d six, it's the wolf. Otherwise, mm -hmm. it's the dog. If you spent all of your like, if you spent your move aiming effectively, it would be like one to four, it's the wolf. Five to six, it's the dog. Yeah. But I have a history of doing stuff like this and majestically butchering the NPC in the process. So, um, hmm. well, I'm going to save the pistol, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna put a, another arrow up there. Okay. Yeah, I guess I was for some reason I blanked out and I was like, oh, that that dog is a wolf. I guess. Okay, here we go. Oh well. Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Indeed. So your arrow sinks into the wolf there and you hear the faint thump as it falls to the forest floor. Your arrow sticking out of it. Okay. Which leaves Brock, I believe. Um, yeah. Uh, I believe Lan is going to see this wolf come in. So she's going to come over and Try and fend that off. Okay. First. Not very successfully. Um. Yeah. And um, Brock's. He's just gonna launch his spear up towards this this one that's closest to us at the top. Okay. Launcher. I assume that hits. Oh yeah, most definitely. So your spear slices a deep cut into the wolf, and then sort of like continues onwards and sticks in a tree behind it. The wolf is still moving, but you can see like there's like a heavy flow of blood matting its fur from the deep wound that your spear has opened in its side as it sort of flew past it. Okay, at this point, Weimar, Brock, and Quentin... Well, not Brock, it'll be Quentin and Weimar. Can you both roll me a d6? Five. Okay. And what about yourself, Quentin? Okay, so Weimar... Again, you notice that this uh, this bag appears to be like moving slightly. And in one of the in one of the slightly quieter moments of this melee that's occurring, you think you hear like a, a slightly like high pitch like whining sound coming from inside the, 
the burlap sack. Right. Okay. Who's going? As ever, one of the players' side gone. Uh, yeah. In which case, we'll go to the NPCs then. Hmm. So, just remove that dead wolf out of the way to the side there. As ever, another couple dart in. Again, they're going for the dog because it's the smallest of you, basically. Not too their attacks first one misses second one misses third one Okay, so your dog takes a mighty one hit point of damage from these three wolves attacking it as the the small and tenacious terrier uses its sort of like small size and it's quite it's one of those like puggish, like muscular small dogs. It sort of uses its small size like outmaneuver these three sort of like they're not dire wolves, but they're still larger than a a small sort of hunting dog. And it uses its maneuverability to great effect, sort of dodging their sort of clumsy snaps with their jaws, just getting caught by one of their sort of like claws as it's like darting between them and harrying them. Okay, over to you guys. Um, can I use my move to swap places with my dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will just do that, and then I will attack this one just below me. Okay. Uh, so Damn! Uh, okay, that's five points of damage for him. Okay, so again with this slight sort of shimmer in the air, you drive the green steel into this wolf. It's still hanging on to life somehow, but like barely. You can see it's struggling to stand up. As you sort of like meet its gaze as you're pulling your sword back out of it, you see like its eyes are like unfocused and they're sort of rolling around a bit as it's trying to sort of keep you in its vision. But it's it it's not long for this world, is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, and their dog will have a bite and see if we can send it on its way. Uh, no. Okay. <coughs> Just a little nip. Okay, who wants to go next? I'll shoot the Spain one. Okay, now remember it, it is in combat with uh, Malcolm. No, this one. Oh, the same one you shot last time, I think, the same yeah. one we were just talking about. My apologies. No, go ahead. Okay. So, again, one of your arrows hits the wolf, scoring a shallow mark down it, its back. Okay, so we've just got Brock and Weimar now. So whichever one of you wants to go first. Brock, do you want to go? Uh, can do, yep. Um, I should launch my uh, Spear of the Hunter towards the one I 
wounded last last round. Now remind me, does the Spear of the Hunter return to your hand after you've thrown it? No, it doesn't. It's just um, basically plus one. Because if you remember, you've, one. Already, you've already thrown it at one of the... Uh... No, I've got a normal Spear. Oh, it was your normal Spear. And then I've got, yeah, okay. I, I didn't want to lose it, so I thought I'll throw my normal Spear in case it runs off, but That's fine, I'm hoping so. that this one will finish it off. You aiming at that same off again? You... Yeah. Okay, no problem. So yeah, your Spear of the Hunter plunges unerringly through the the space between you and this wolf and strikes it dead on in the centre of its head, sinking in as the creature topples to one side and falls to the ground. Dad, your your spears are sticking upright out of its skull. So that's me out of missile weapons for Brock. But um out of the land. fact everyone else is like, oh yeah, we've got our bows, we've got like we've got like firearms and whatever. Brock's like, I just need two spears. And my yeah. arm. That's what I need. I do. Is I have it? got to go and retrieve them now. <laughs> yeah. It is a... Uh, no solution's perfect. But uh, no. is Lan doing anything? Uh, yeah, she's going to attack this wolf on uh, Harp's west flank there. And try and defend him. Yeah. Uh, four damage, I believe. Indeed. She steps forward, the mighty Lan swinging her two-handed sword and catches the creature on one of its flanks, sort of driving it backwards a little bit with her Ice Walker strength. Okay, now I've just got Weimar, I believe. Okay, well now I'll stick the bow in the ground and... Here. Ah. Yeah, as you draw the Sun Sword, uh, a bright... Summer's day, luminous radiance of divine sunlight fills the fills the uh, scene, and as we've described, like the sort of choral like uh, wafts out into the the summer evening. Is, is, yep, sorry. No, I was just going to say, there's no reaction from the other sword. Is there any sort of sort of echoing that or reply? Mine's defective. I, I love it. You pull it out, and like the green suit's like, yeah. Boy, <laughs> no, no there is, there is a reaction. No harmony no. or anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When when we get like, oh, we need, ah, oh, we need a fourth sword for a quartet. Play <laughs> <laughs> some. me. Yeah. So uh, we bring the judgment down on on the wolf. Go for it. In question. Uh... For a spicy seven. Okay, that is it done. You cleave it in twain with the sun sword. And I'm going to make a quick morale check for the rest of them that are left because a lot of them have been killed. Oof. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so, as I'm not going to move them all now, but basically the the rest of the wolves sort of start slowly like slinking away back into the woodlands like say they were looking for a easy prey effectively and you guys have successfully convinced them with your display of prowess that that is not you so they slowly start to slink away a few of them lying scattered around already dead from your mighty blows the rest slowly start like withdrawing back into the the oaken canopy of the wolf forest 
I'm going to quickly retrieve my spears in case they do come back. Yeah, that's not. Can I uh, skin and gut the wolves so we can take some of the meat for food? And, uh, yeah, that's fine, not a problem. I'll pick up my dagger. Yeah, you could all retrieve whatever equipment you you've used. That's not a problem. And then I think I'll investigate this sack since it's caused so much fracas. Okay, so you move over to the, the sack. the The guy who came running out of the forest is still sort of like recovering his breath and still sort of looking suspiciously at the forest canopy. So he seems to really like notice you. He's obviously like shit scared that those wolves are going to come back. Um, you move over to this. Uh, this hessian sack with a thick cord tying it at the top like I say it's like a big sort of hessian sack and you, you can see it's definitely sort of moving there's something inside it moving and now everything's quietened a bit you can hear this sort of like low sort of sl slightly high pitch like whining coming from inside the the sack open the sack yeah no problem you you get your dagger in hand you quickly just like slit the cord open the sack up and as you open it up you can see there are what appeared to be three small wolf cubs inside the sack and it is they who are emitting the sort of high-pitched uh, canine whining so I'll, I'll say to our our new friend here it's like your bright idea he's, he's still a bit panting for breath but he's like uh, he's like uh, wow it's a uh, it's, it's, it's my business, isn't it? It's like I could get get good money for them in uh, New Zealand. Business? Yeah. Are you a trapper? He's like, he's like tra trapper, hunter. He's like, oh come on, you must have heard of the you must have heard of the famous New Zealand wolfhounds. You grow them, you mean? He says, well, they rear them. He says, yeah, they've. Uh, he says, well, it's a, they've got a proper little business going on in uh, New Zealand. There's there's people there who like take take wolf pups, obviously like plentiful resource because wolf forest, isn't it? They they take them when they're young and they can train them to make them into like these elite hunting hounds. And well, they'll they'll pay they'll pay ten gold coins per wolf cub. Huh. At which point now he's, right, he's got his breath back a bit. He's a, uh, like I say, he's, he's dressed quite strangely to your guys' eyes. He's wearing like a, a sort of like long coat. He's got like a waistcoat on, sort of like breeches, like sort of thick like a uh, leather sort of like hiking boots, and he's wearing like a strange sort of like three pointed hat on his head, and he sort of like raises an eyebrow as he like looks over and takes in, actually that like sees you guys properly for the first <laughs> yeah. like time, and he's like. Um, don't, don't mean to sound uh, ungrateful or anything, but uh, you you fellas uh, you fellas going to a, a a masquerade ball or something? What? Yeah, a masquerade, but I assume that's why you're wearing the uh, the, the the strange get-up. Well, I'm wearing leather armor because it keeps me alive. Same, except he says, oh. I, I bang on my... <laughs> he says, I, I didn't mean any offence. He says, well, I know, I know a lot of people uh, like to collect antiques and stuff like that. N nothing meant by it. It's just uh, 
rare to see someone dustily tired wandering around the, the woodlands, you know? Could you answer me a question? What's this statue about? He says, what, the... Um, he says, what, the old one? And he's, obviously, you're a little bit far away from the gate now, but he sort of jerks his thumb back in the direction of the gate. And he says, what, you mean the old uh, overgrown statue by the... Uh, That's the one, by yeah. The, by the big old gate. He says, he says, well, I can't see how true this is, but he says, the way I hear it, he but back in the day, like not long after uh, New Zealand had been founded, there were this, like, there was this like, group of people who were, like, heavily involved in, like, the founding of the village and, like setting it all up and getting it founded and whatever. And from what I've heard, one day they, they went into the wolf forest. They they said they were gonna they were just gonna explore in the forest. They went to this gateway. They disappeared. No one saw anything of them after that. So after a few years had passed though there used to be this older this old I mean always long gone now, but there used to be this old dwarven fellow at uh, New Zealand and he was the he was the very fellow who came like came back to the village and told them like where they were going and after like a few years obviously they were like well unfortunately it doesn't look like they're coming back so the uh, the old dwarf fellow he um, he carved this uh, statue of them near where the gate is he says oh, oh that was a while ago I mean uh, let's see, oh, going back uh, oh five six years something like that now but I don't know how true it is but that, that's the way I heard it anyway I mean I, I never knew the dwarf fellow myself How big is New Zealand now? He says, oh, "Well, he says pretty big village. It's got the uh, it's got stone wall around it. Obviously, uh, there's the the two towers by the uh, the river. And, uh, that's that's assuming you you don't count Worms Watch Tower to the west. And it's not technically part of the village, but well, the uh, the the lady of the two towers is like in charge of the village and." Worms watch as well, so some people count and some people don't. Okay, who's the lady of the two towers? He says, "Oh, he says, uh, it's a uh, old, uh, old uh, Dixon. She's she's in charge of the. Uh, she's in charge." Mercy of the... Dixon. Yeah, that that's the name. He says, although from what I hear, and I mean, I only really go to New Zealand do a little bit of trading. From what I hear, she spends most of her time in a in, in the watchtower, Worms Watch. Now, you know, keep. Keeping an eye on the uh, keeping an eye on the Dragon Mountains. Indeed, indeed. And where do you uh, live yourself? He says, "Well, I've, I've got a I've got a small hut, you know, on the outskirts of the forest. Uh, it's, it's nothing grand, but you know, it does for me. I like to keep near to uh, to where my business is, so." Okay. Occasionally do a bit of I think I'll take. So, sorry, what was that, fella? I think I'll take these three pups as payment for your life, which we've just saved. He says, Oof. "He says, oh, I don't know about that." He said, "This is a, this is my only source of income. Like, if I, if I, if I let you take these, well, I'll have to go out and get some more, and that, that I, I won't have any money to like feed myself or anything like that." So we spy us for him. All right. He says, "Look, I, I, you guys are like wearing like full armor. I've seen you swinging your weapons around. You obviously like know what you're about. I, I'm just a simple hunter. I, I'm not going to say that I'm going to like fight you for these like wolf pups. I mean, if you hell, if you 
if you really want to take them, I don't have the means to stop you, to be honest. I would just say, just consider that you're depriving a man of his livelihood, though. So, hold up a minute. Um, I know that I shoot clean shots most of the time. Uh, Brock here, that was a wonderful throw. Masterful form, Brock. Um, how about we string up a couple of these and we skin them. You can have the meat as well if you want. Well, what, the, 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 the cubs? No, the big ones. Oof. The big ones. Oh, that's a relief. I thought you meant the cubs then. I was no, saying no, 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 I need, no. that. I need no. them alive for, for my payday. You... Something to, you know, take home? The pelts? Meat? What, it, it, so, so you're going to give me the meat and the skins in return for the pups, yeah? Yeah. How's yeah, that? that's how that sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah. That, okay. that, that'll feed me for a good while, and that I can probably get a little bit for the furs, the, the adult furs. Yeah. And he's like, he's like yeah, we'll, we'll we'll call it a deal then. And he sort of like he spits in his hand and holds his hand out. Yeah, yeah. I'll, and I'll just sort of wave off everyone. It's like, I'll um, I'll you know work with what's your name again? He says, "Oh, uh, he says my name." He says, uh, "My name's uh, Eli Cord." Eli. So I'll, like I said, I'll I'll get the rope, string up a couple of these, and I'll I'll get the skins to Eli. Yeah, and we can all we can all leave winners here, except it, I guess the wolves. But you know. it, it doesn't take you that long. You um, you, you skin these wolves. You, you give Eli the the meat and the skins. He sort of like basically takes these um, empties the this sack out so these like pups fall onto the floor. Like puts all of the stuff you've given him into the sack, throws it over his shoulder, and he's like, "Right, well, uh, well, th- thanks again for your for your timely intervention. If uh, for, for business is done here, I'll uh, I'll be on my merry way." Yeah. Um, which way to? You know, New Zealand. He says, "Right, look, if you." If you continue to the west by the and follow the coast, shouldn't take you more than a couple of days to to get there. If you that, that's the way I came when I was coming down here. If you need to, if you need to stop off, there is like a little farmhouse on the way, which you might be able to stop off at. I don't know how friendly the person is. I just passed it by, but uh, there's a little farmhouse on the way. But yeah, it shouldn't take you more than a couple of days to uh, to get to New Zealand if you stick to the the coast path. All right then, Eli. Right, well, uh, all, all the best of luck to you, uh, to, to you, uh, gentlemen. Uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your masquerade ball, and I'll uh, m- maybe I'll see you all again if the, uh, the the one true God be willing. Stay well, and he sort of like wanders off into the the forest. You hear him sort of like whistling a tune, and it fades away as he like disappears through the trees. So. Whatever is going on hasn't dispersed Leander, at least. Malcolm, I'm sure you're glad to hear that. Well, the one true god is the dominant god. There's a lot of overlap out there. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of overlap, overlap here. <clears throat> Okay. I suppose we'll find out, though. Yes. Who knows? Maybe they maybe they went uh, because 
Didn't you talk with some folk about having a shrine to the judge? Aye, I did, but with Elbos here to keep up the momentum, it's hmm. hard to see how it might have survived. Wouldn't that be a thing? Uh, I suppose we'll see. Yes, I suppose A stone we will. wall? That takes a long time to put up. Are the towers as well finished? It seems quite some time has passed, though. Somehow. Mm. Strange that he wouldn't recognize the armor. As you, as you sort of say, how strange you recognize the armor. Like, Lan like, leans in and sort of says, I reckon there's some evil magic at work here. And she sort of frowns. There's always evil magic at work. She nods. Yeah, Sometimes it's just magic. Yeah. It's never just magic. <laughs> Sometimes it's just magic. That's right. <clears throat> evil magic, she says. We'll agree to disagree <laughs> as Brock starts to walk westwards. <laughs> right, I guess. Um, I am going to follow the wolves and return these three pups. Okay. Not a problem. So you sort of start following the, the wolf tracks and you can see that they they sort of head eastwards sort of in in this direction. So you want to follow those tracks, do you? Yeah. Okay. So you spend a day following the tracks. You pass through just before the end of the day, you pass through an area where the sort of the tree cover is a, a little bit lighter. And just it's getting to the end of the day and you're starting to look around and think, oh, we're going to have to find somewhere to rest. You spot the, the trail of these wolves, which appears to be heading into deeper into the forest. You think it's probably going to take you maybe. It looks like the trail carries on for at least like a, a few hours, and like I say, it's getting to like the end of the day when you, when you discover it. Obviously, you'll all need to use a ration. Okay. Uh, should we rest here, or do we want to head into the? I guess we don't want to be attacked in the dark. No, certainly not. And at this point, since you've been a, you've travelled for a day, I'm going to ask Malcolm, can you please roll me four d ten? Twenty three. Sorry, I just need the individual rolls. It's for right. Uh, sorry, eight, seven, three, and five. Sorry, it's not a problem. Yeah, so you are blissfully unmolested by any random encounters as you move through the forest. Like I said, the only thing you notice that seems even vaguely out of the ordinary is, like I said, this slightly lighter area of trees, but that's just a case that the tree covers a bit lighter or something that's supernatural or anything like that. And then you've, you pose this question to the group, do we want to camp here before we follow this trail? 
just bed down and it's a safer option someone light a fire okay so you all bed down for the evening you keep various watches etc of course you can all regain 1d3 hit points if you are down hit points due to your evening of rest that's the same for dog is it yes it is yeah next morning you awake you're on the very outskirts of the forest you awake to the the golden warmth of the sun rising over the horizon and you you can now more clearly see these these trails that Malcolm has thanks to his expert abilities in the wilderness has been sort of leading you through despite the darkness of the previous night but you can now more clearly see these like wolf tracks from looks like many different wolves heading into the forest okay so i think i'll just uh keep following the tracks hoping to find the pack of wolves to return the pups okay so you start following uh, this trail i'm gonna quickly make a roll to see if you have any encounters fine okay so you follow this trail and as you move you start to see increasing signs of that wolf activity in the area any of your hunters wilderness people etc you start noticing like animal dung bits of hair caught on like low-lying foliage like bits of fur etc you start finding like rabbits hairs prey animals you start finding like bones scattered around obviously the remnants of these wolves feeding as you continue like i said take for maybe about three or four hours into the, the sort of deep forest you eventually come start heading into a slightly rockier sort of area and as you head towards it you start hearing the sort of like the growls and the howling of wolves a short way in the distance okay uh how far away do we think it is you think less than an hour okay um okay so i think i'll move forward uh keep traveling i guess till we see our first wolf okay as you as you sort of head towards this stony area it drops down into sort of like, almost like a sort of a bowl-shaped depression although it's clearly naturally formed and as you look down into it you can see a large number of wolves some older some younger there's some pups there you have a quick sort of look around in you know, a quick count up as best you can and you estimate there's like 30 wolves at least okay in this area you can see there's plenty of evidence that they've been here for some time there's uh, okay there's there's not really ca- not caves as such but there are some like 
depressions in the sort of like the stone bowl surroundings and like the walls of it that they presumably use as shelter and there's like pubs in them and stuff like that. Okay, so I'll just uh, kind of drop the pups down onto the ground and give them a hoosh towards the wolves and then just start backing away from. Indeed, uh, as you as you let the the pups go, they they obviously hear the other wolves and they start sort of heading towards them. As they do, you see a couple of the older wolves head towards them, sort of nuzzle them a little bit before it's like ushering them into the pack as a whole. Okay. And then we will, uh, I guess, lead them be and hope not to attract their attention. Okay. It's probably, probably not a bad idea. Okay, so are you heading back to uh, the trail? Yes, please. Okay, no problem. So it's taking you like a good four out, four to twelve hours to get there. Um, you head back. By the time you're getting back, it's early evening. Again, there's been nothing that's occurred to like cause you any problems as you've travelled through the woods. Although, again, you are all finding it quite strange because the there's parts of the wood that seem very the forest that seem very familiar the presence of the wolves the general layout of the landscape I mean you guys have travelled through here a number of times but the actual type of foliage now it's these oak trees and a few other like bits of the landscape seem very different like you don't remember there being like this depression here with these like sort of jagged bits of natural stone even though you've like been through this area but some of the rest of the landscape looks very familiar it's quite disorientating to you although you sort of know roughly where you are by relation to the the coast okay um so how far can we move before dark in terms of going west okay you could move you could make it back to the lighter area of trees just before it got dark okay so let me do that the day would be ending when you got there yeah okay Okay, no problem. So you head west into this lighter area of trees. You've moved roughly four segments in the day, so I'm going to roll four d10, see if we get any random encounters or anything like that. Nope, you're good. So at the end of the day, you all start getting back to this like I say area of lighter foliage um, the the moon the single moon of this world has started to rise and it's casting a, a sort of silvery light across the landscape just a, a little bit to the south of where you are sort of just on the very edge of where you can see you can just make out thanks to the the lighter foliage the outline of the coast where it drops down to the sea and you can hear the the gentle sound of the the waves lapping against the shore. Okay, so anyone who is resting, you can get obviously you will have to eat a ration again. But anyone who is resting, you can get D three hit points back. 
and as you're all sort of setting up, you're getting ready to go to sleep, you're sorting out your watches, etc. You know, you've you made like a makeshift lean to all the normal sort of stuff you do when you're camping and you're sort of like, you guys have been doing this for a long time now in character, so you know how to set up a campsite. That's not a problem. As it's setting up and the, the moon's, like I say, casting this uh, this dim radiance, Malcolm, you sort of glance off to the east and you can see the sort of coastal trail continues to the east. And you've been looking at Weimar's sort of map and your own recollections, like you say, trying to sort of puzzle out where things are now, what's still there, what's not there, etc. And you recall that to the east of here, by your old reckoning, maybe a day or two, is the ruined abbey where you you all once confronted the the great wyvern that was lairing there. Okay. So as you guys are getting ready to go to sleep, is there anything you guys want to discuss with each other? Now you're in this sort of strange new world. What are you guys thinking about what's going on so far? Do we think we should approach Mercy Dixon and say we've returned? Do we need to find out more about the politics of the land? Guess we could enter as strangers mm. if they if they do that sort of thing. Maybe you look around for a bit, ask around what Mercy is like. Yeah. Who was Mercy Dixon? That's a name that's familiar. Mercy Dixon was originally the woman who was in charge of Staffstone Tower. She was a, she was like a lieutenant of um, Seth Brannan, the the Lord of Eastburn, the sort of like usurper Lord of Fort Eastburn. She was the the one who basically was sent to give you guys the invite to yeah. the meeting you went to there, and she was the one who was sort of like, oh yeah, by the way, like on the down low, like. They're planning on making like Weimar like the Castellan of whatever tower they're building. Yeah. In uh, New Zealand. And she was she was instrumental in like putting foot when you guys were like, actually we quite like two towers and we've already like planned out most of it. She was like instrumental in basically selling that to like Brannon to the point where like when you guys actually sort of mentioned it, he was just like, Oh yeah, she's telling me all about it, it's fine, we'll send some guys to have you out with it. I mean she doesn't well, potentially know us, although it's some time ago. So you might remember yet to be seen yeah but we've fought beside her a number of times like it's we're not we're not casual acquaintances yeah she fought by no, no. she fought by your no, side no. a couple of times helping defend New Zealand against I know. wolves and vampires and the like I'm just saying we won't be complete strangers if, if we yeah. meet, meet her I don't think but not that not that that matters anyway mm. uh, it'd be to see if anyone else is there that we might recognise or that might recognise us if anyone else is still around. But yeah, I'm I'm keen to get back as soon as possible. See what other uh, see what else has happened to these lands, and I'd while I time away. Okay, so so you guys know that when you were near the south gate where you met the uh, the trapper. He told you that like, oh, I was going to take a couple of days following the coast to get to New Zealand. You've effectively travelled like a day east. So by that reckoning, it's going to take you like three days from your present location, give or take, to get to New Zealand. Yeah. But if, if no one has anything else, you 
you drift off into a peaceful night's sleep. So you can all regain D3 hit points, etc. You all need to eat a ration. And the next morning, again, the, the sun rises over the wolf forest. The weather's getting a little bit cooler. You, those of you who have, or from Rohaline, you probably wouldn't know this, Brock, because you're used to like short summer, winter all the time. Whereas mm -hmm. those who come from Rohaline, where there's more normal seasons, you recognise this weather as though it's you're in the sort of like tail end of summer, just sort of going into autumn. The weather's just starting to cool slightly. There's like a few more like fresh breezes, especially here on the coast, because you've got the sea breeze coming in. But it's still fairly temperate, which means it's still bloody warm by Valcona reckonings. You wake up in the morning. What do you want to do? I think we should just head west. Yeah, sooner the about we investigate what's happening. Okay, no problems. So you head west, heading, and at the end of the day, you reach the the gateway again that you're previously in. Again, you are unmolested by any sort of random encounters or creatures of the forest as you move. You will need to eat a ration. As you rest for the evening, you can all regain 1d3 hit points. And we have been um, opportunistic foraging during the day. Yeah, that's fine. Make a roll for it. Uh, okay. So we were opportunistically missing all of the uh, opportunities. Um, and then one for the dog. I'll have a bit of foraging since uh, Malcolm's taking a bit of time on hunting. Okay. That's a failure as well. Okay, it's not going well for Team Forage at the minute. No. no that's too much stuff around here. You, you do notice, although you're hearing a lot of animals, the animals in the area are like very skittish. No doubt due to the large population of like wolves in the area, which mean like if you sort of if you make yourself obvious, you're there for the getting. You've probably already been got. Mm. So, like, a lot of the animals are, like, very wary, even for, like, wild animals, which doesn't surprise you, Brock, given that you've just seen there's, like, a pack of, like, 50-odd wolves nearby. Yep. You'd, be, you'd be a bit skittish if you were a rabbit or whatever. Okay, so the, the next morning, are you continuing west? Yeah, I think so. New Zealand? Okay. <laughs> Unless yes, Malcolm out for this farmhouse. Unless Malcolm wants to do any more babysitting. No, I'm good. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> All right. No, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so you continue west for around about eight hours. And as you're sort of rounding the coast you spot a, a small building and you can hear the sort of sound of chickens or fowl of some variety up ahead of you and as you continue moving you can see this small sort of little coastal farmhouse like a small wooden like chicken shed little cottage etc i mean it's not a very big building i mean it's like we're talking like a sort of one room farmhouse it's like a little chicken coop built onto the side of it you can see there's a there's a man out the front with a 
a small child you can't tell if it's a boy or a girl at this distance you see the guy's wearing like a a waistcoat sort of working man's trousers he's got like a straw hat on his head and as he's uh he's moving around and he's just like throwing from a bag that's on his belt throwing some grain out for these chickens that are always like clucking and scrabbling for the grain Weimar as you're sort of looking at this being ever the military man you notice that the the young lad slash lass you're not sure is sort of stood on the sort of outskirts of this chicken pen that the guy's moving around and you can see there's like two muskets on the inside of the the chicken pen sort of like lent up like within like reach obviously for easy reach of the farmer and i'm gonna i'm gonna make a roll to, to see if he spots you i'm gonna say a one or a two he spots you because you've you've not specified being like particularly stealthy so i'll just give him a one or a two on a d6 see if he spots you or not <laughs> okay so as you spot these two rifles so like lend these are these muskets lent up against the inside of the chinku. Like for a moment you like lock eyes with this farmer as he just looks up and he sees these this leather clad man, this like plate mail clad man, an elven like hunter, two huge barbarians with like massive weapons stomping down the uh, the path. You see him like you see him like open his mouth and he shouts something to the lad you can now see it's a young lad. And the young lad sort of like grabs one of these muskets and like passes it over to him. And you, you see him sort of like pull a little like powder thing out from his belt, like pulls it off with his teeth, and he's like You can tell why more from your days in the service, and Quentin, you might be able to tell this as well, that this man's obviously got some like military experience. Even though he's dressed like a farmer, you can see like the way he's like quickly like I mean it's not quick to load a musket anywhere you shake it but the way he's going about it he's like doing it the quickest most like practiced way so i'll just put up a hand and it's like peace peace okay make me a charisma roll fuck me (laughs) (laughs) almost but no dobie (laughs) that's fine he's He's now like lifted up the gun. It's like ready to fire, but he doesn't immediately fire it. You see, he's basically aiming it slightly over your heads, like he was about to let out like a warning shot. But when you're sort of like peace, peace, you hold your hand up. It's it's caused him to pause for a moment. He's still keeping the gun up. He's not like, oh, that's fine. Come in and meet the meet the missus or whatever. But he's also not like, oh, I'm going to shoot you dead immediately. He, he looks wary, but he's he's not squeezed the trigger. Like you can see his fingers on it, and he's like. Who are you? What business do you have at my farm? We're uh, just passing through, wondering if you would trade for food and news. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe I will, maybe I will. Tell me, where do you hail from, stranger? Uh, we're newly returned to these lands. Um, we, uh, we're heading to New Zealand. Oh, right, right, okay. Uh, We've got said, coin. He, he sort of nods and he says, uh, I tell you what, you, could, you can come in and trade and uh, maybe maybe share some bread and soup and some news and whatnot, but uh, you're going to have to leave any weapons you've got with the lad. And he, like, jerks his head in the direction of the lad. He's like, I've got, I've got children in the farmhouse. I'm not having 
I might have been weapons in there. I don't even take mine in though. Yeah, we don't have to come in. We can just trade news over the wall. We don't. He says, "As you wish. Come closer." Then I hope, I hope you won't take offence if I keep hold of uh, old Bessie here. And he like pats the, uh, no, the musket or no. something. No offence at all. It's but, uh, he, he basically wild like times. He, he like lowers it down so like he could bring it up if he needed to, but he's not like ready to go at the yeah. moment. He's just like lowered it a little bit. And he's like, "Well, come closer then if you." If you're of a mind to talk, and he he looks down at the the young lad to the side of him, and he's like, "It's like Robert, go inside and uh, ha have your mother uh, give you some bread. Uh, the, the least we can do is be hospitable with strangers." So, and the, the young lad like runs inside. As you're by the time you get there, he's come back out, and he's basically like a, a wooden plate that's just got some like rough looking loaf and probably a little bit of cheese on it, etc. And he just like puts it down on one of the big fence posts of this like chicken coop. Okay, um, so <clears throat> uh, I'll just help myself to a bit of the meat, the bread, um, and say I'm Malcolm Hart. Uh, oh. These are my friends, Weimar, Brock, Lan, and Quinton. Um, we're on our way to New Zealand. Um, uh, I guess we haven't been in this part of the world in in ten years or so. Um, can you, you know, give us news of of what's changed? Of, um, he says, "Oh, well, you mean you've uh, you've not been around since before the nights of colourless fire?" Then, no, Definitely, yeah, yeah, it's been a while. He says, "Oh, it's uh he says, "Oh, yeah, that was a terrible business. Oh, years back now." Uh, the it was like the sky was splitting open, uh, the, the the land changed, like cracks opened in the ground. He says, uh, he says, oh the uh, the, the witch's island sank, so all manner of stuff happened. Like obviously, uh, the people are saying, oh, it was the end of the world, and like uh, that uh, the the end times had come. You know how these religious folk always do. He said, but well, it settled down after a while, and. Uh, yeah, right. Things are a little bit different, but he says, "Look on the bright side." Uh, certainly, for like, people like myself who were down in the um, the southern part of Arconan, says, "Well, it's a uh, it's a lot easier to grow crops and whatnot down here now." Mind you, I'm only just starting out at the minute. I've only got, got a few chickens at the minute. I'm doing a bit of fishing. He jerks his thumb back at the direction of the coast. They're hoping to uh, hoping to eventually like diversify out, start growing some crops, but got to prepare the land. It's not the best for it being on the coast, but me, me and the family will make it work. We don't mind putting in a bit of hard graft. And he says, uh, but uh, I, I got the land grant all like nice and nice and legal from the lady of the towers. And you know, so okay. I, I, after after my army days, to be honest, I just I just want to settle down, mind my own business, look after my family. What what more could a man want? And he mm. says, oh, sorry, uh, forgive me, how terribly rude of me. Uh, uh, William Dinsmore's the name. Ah, William, nice to meet you. And he, he sort of leans down and ruffles the lad's hair, and he's like, uh, and he's like, oh, and this this uh, scamp here, this is a uh, this is young Robert, uh, my uh, my my wife uh, Mary, and uh, my my daughter Alice uh, are inside. Sorry, I missed the wife's name, John. Mary. Yeah, Mary. Yeah, it, it cut out a bit. Um. Okay. Uh, what can you tell us of the Lady of the Two Towers? 
he says, uh, oh, uh, old, uh, old Mercy Dixon. He says, wow, it was, uh, when the, uh, when, when the dragons arose in the, uh, the mountains, it was her who rallied all the, uh, the local people around to help defend themselves. Uh, she, she's overseen, like, the, the building of the two towers, and, uh, they, they, they got, like, a, they got, like, a load of, like, old sort of stones and bits of old ruins, and they've, like, shored them up against the, the walls around the, around the village to, like, make it better protected. Although, from what I hear, you know, she, after what happened to her when the, uh, when, when the dragons arose, uh, she, some say she's gone a bit, uh, a bit paranoid that one day they might come back. She, and that's why she spends all of her time at Wormwatch now, you know, like, keeping an eye out in case they ever come back. But, wow, I can hardly blame her. What can you tell us about the dragons? He says, well, from what, like I say, I'm, I, I'm not the oldest person in this area, but from what I hear, they say that there was this, there was this great lord who used to, uh, used to dwell hereabouts, and where he became so greedy and so covetous and so spiteful that when the magic went wild and ran out across the land, his body bloated and he became this huge, merciless, covetous, great worm that now dwells within these mountains that rose up to the west of here. And while they say he's there still. Is that the Lord of Eastburn? Do you know? Is that what they say he was called? He says, uh, yeah, I, th I think, think that was it. I think that was the name of the uh, the place. Either way, it's a, uh, it was some old fort that used to lie where the, uh, where the Wormspire Mountains are now to the, to the west of here, but uh, well, when the mountains rose up, like I say, when the land was shuddering and shaking and rising and falling, uh, I, I assume the, the old fort was destroyed. But they're still saying the in the tallest, the tallest peak of the Wormspire Mountains, they still say the old lord now, this bloated and corrupt dragon, lies there wrapped around his treasure, with only like his greed and his anger to keep him going. And they say that when you hear rumbles. In the Wormspire Mountain, that's the old lord himself, sort of counting his coin, or grumbling that this he doesn't have enough wealth. That's what they say, anyway. Okay. Um, and who is the lord of these lands? Is it the lady herself? It says, "Oh, it's the uh, yes, yeah, the lady of the towers. She mostly uh, keeps everything running smoothly around here." And how far does her lands go? He says, "Well, it's most it's mostly just the free coast. Uh, maybe for a, a couple of days to the west of here, and maybe a, a couple of days to the north along the uh, the Great River. Not far, but I mean, she, she does her best to to keep the coast as free as she can, and uh, so that people like myself can settle down here." Okay. Cool. Um... And have you uh, much food for sale? He says, "Well, I can give you a, I can give you a couple of days worth of like bread and cheese and a, a bit of hardtack. Uh, I don't need any payment for that. That's fine. It's the least I can do for for, for, for okay. people, you know. I'm, I'm sure it's a, uh, I'm sure it's what Leander would uh, would want. Uh, and he, he shouts off and some like basically that. Let's say eight. Eight days, 
eight doses of rations effectively is bought out and that's handed over to you and it's just like little parcels of like slightly stale bread a bit of cheese let's say a bit of like jerky that sort of stuff and he's like wow he's like there you go and we're, we're we're pretty well set up here so we're you're welcome to that stranger oh well thank you very much and hopefully we won't be strangers when next we meet all right he says i've, I've got a, and again i apologize for the uh for the uh, the bit with the gun earlier he says oh you give me a your man there and he points at Waimo says get me a right turner coming out of the uh, the, the trees and the uh, the, the dawn like dress I says oh for a second there I thought it was the red knight coming out of the woods the red knight and he, and he laughs and he's like oh come on he said you must have heard the tale no we um we've been adrift for a bit oh right, right you are he says well it it's a little more than like a, a kid's fairy story, to be honest. You know, they tell it to the children to like make sure they behave and stuff. But they say that if you're if you're pure of heart and you find yourself bedeviled by brigands or monsters or anything like that in the darkness of the night, very occasionally this figure clad all in armour will appear and will help deliver the person from their enemies. They say he moves almost like a, a spirit or a, a ghost of some kind. And the stories all the, the, the stories vary a little bit, but they're always basically the same. Someone's in trouble at night. This this armoured figure appears from nowhere, sees off their attackers. They turn around to thank him, and he's disappeared. And they, they, they call him the Red Knight. I don't know why. But, um, yeah, like... Uh, I, I had the uh, I had the stories going back a few years, and like I say when I saw your man there come out in all that uh, armor, I mean, like I said, we don't see much like that now. Uh, Give me a bit of a funny turn, it did. Uh, armor is not widely worn. He says, "Well, unless you're going into like a a big battle or something, not really." Uh, since they uh, since he started knocking out more of these, and he like pats the uh, the musket, uh, there's not been that much call for it, to be perfectly honest. Okay. Oh. Um, and are the muskets expensive? He says, well, not, not, not too expensive. I mean, it depends where you get them from, to be perfectly honest. Right. Do you know if they sell them in New Zealand? He says, oh, yeah, yeah, of course they do. Okay. So it's, a, it's a big old place, yeah. You usually find some there. I mean, the expense depends on a really on what sort of firing mechanism you want on them to to be perfectly honest just depends what you what you're looking for is that i mean well if you were to buy a if you were to buy a, a musket like old uh, old bessie here i mean don't get me wrong she's uh, not exactly the quickest to load i mean she's only a she's only a a match lock uh you have to put a little match in it to, to fire her off but well they've been working on these uh these newfangled wheel locks and uh the flint locks now, but oh, they, they're, they're still a bit on the rare side, and they do drive the price up something fierce. He says you could you could get some like old Bessie here for, well, probably about, probably about thirty coin. Whereas okay. if, you're, if you're talking at flint lock, you're easily looking at like four times that, and like double that again if you're looking for a wheel lock. Okay. 
Um, and uh, you mentioned Leander, um, and we met a previous uh, traveler who mentioned the one true God. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, is there um, conflict between the religions? He says, Bob. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I say my prayers. I mean, I think you, you can't do wrong to have like the gods on your side. Everyone needs a bit of extra help now. But I wouldn't say I was exactly a, a devout man. You know, I'm, I'm a bit more like like to take care of my own business. But well, I'm trying to think how best to explain it. There's there's basically the way I see it and the way I is it. There's like there's three main types of god that what people worship now. There's there's Leander, which a lot of us who came over from like Roheline and places like that still follow. I'm assuming you know Leander. Uh, there's the one true God now. Is the, the people who follow him? They that they're sort of the the new lot that appeared like during the the Knights of the Colorless Fire, and they mostly sort of integrated themselves. I mean, it's mostly a it's mostly the Brackenwald lot to the north who are like big followers of like the one true God, and them and Leander's lot seem like fairly similar the, the the followers of the one true god they're like, they're like a bit more of their ceremonies and stuff like that whereas the uh the leander followers maybe not so much and he says and then of course there's a uh, there's the old gods and a lot of like the old people who were like around here before like we all came and sat all day they still follow these old gods and a few uh a few of the newer peoples have like adopted their ways um I think, to be honest, if like the, if like the Leander lot and the uh, the people who follow the one true God could ever like stop sort of sniping at each other, then the uh, the followers of the old God might be in trouble because they're like a lot a lot more different, you see. But uh, I think they spend those two spend so much time sniping at each other, they haven't really got time to like turn their attention to the uh, the followers of the old God. So I think they've probably done mm. all right out of it. But to be honest, my my motto has always been live and let live. If you're not causing me any problems, I don't care who you say your prayers to at night. Fair enough. Um, and tell me, is there much, many followers of the old gods in New Zealand? He says, oh yeah, there's there's a fair few. He said, they've got a shrine there to him. Ah. But big, big statue, big like cloaked fella. Okay. The judge he's called. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not really like religious myself, but mm. like I said, I, 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 I mainly say Leander because, well, that's what I grew up with back in Raveline, so Yes, I, I go. To, I go to church when I can. I try and live a good life, you know. If that's not enough, well, that's unfortunate. That's the best I can do. I've got to look after my family and my farm. Only leave so much time for praying. It's it's all very well if you know you've you can afford to spend all your time praying and doing whatnot. Whereas some of us have got to like work the land and actually like get down to some hard, honest work. Yeah, you don't see uh, Leander turning those fields anytime soon, I don't think. That's it, exactly. The way I see it, like, the the gods are just there to give you a little bit of an extra boost and a little bit of extra comfort, you know, when you're at a low point. But I figure the rest of the time, I get along fine without them. So whilst I'm, whilst I'm not planning to get on their bad side, if I can avoid it, you know, I mean, why would you? But uh, most of the time, I just do my thing. I look after my family. I try, I try and be charitable and live the best life I can I figure that's what what more could a god ask for I figure any god that wants more of you than that ain't worth following 
Speaking of charity, we don't need yours, so uh, I'll, you know, get ten gold for him for his trouble. He's like, oh, uh, well, thank you, very uh, much appreciated. But uh, yeah, the, the charity's fine. To be honest, it's nice to, much as I, much I love my family, it's uh, it's nice to speak to some uh, new faces. And you know, past the time of day, uh, he sort of like, leans in and like his voice lowers. Then he says, "Well, it uh, don't tell the wife, but it gives me an excuse to like slack off, uh, mucking out these animals for a bit." Fair enough. Um, and is there many homesteaders between here and New Zealand? He says, "Not between here and New Zealand. No. Uh, as you get a bit further round the coast, and you know, near, near most of them are nearer to the river, but okay. you, you'll find like odd little farmsteads scattered here about. So uh, since." Uh, since New Zealand's been a bit more fortified, and well, the uh, the Lady of the Towers has been keeping the uh, the coast a little bit safer, more people have started to settle here. And what with the what with trade being so good for New Zealand, and there being so much necessities and whatnot, you can get there. A lot more people are starting to settle there. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me in the next few years. I mean, I'm, I'm no I'm no like planner or anything like that, but it wouldn't surprise me in the next few years if you start seeing like more. If uh, you start seeing more little villages crop up here and there, and more like expansive farmsteads, uh, especially now we know that like if everything did get the worst came to the worst, we could always retreat inside the walls of New Zealand, and we'd be like reasonably safe there because I've got guards and whatnot. So um, I think the area is a lot more attractive now to uh, the settlers than it used to be. So well, certainly it's for people like me, you know, we're just looking to like settle down and live the simple life. I, I've done my time, like on the on the battlefield and and stuff like that. I've I've had enough of that now. I just want to try and make what I can of like the years I've got left. Because you never know when it's all going to be taken away, do you? No, you do not. Um, well, let us leave you to your work, um, and we will call in again should we ever come back this way. As you're all saying this, uh, Quentin, you feel like someone like tugging like the side of your like shirt, and you look down and there's like a small blonde girl sort of next to you. Is obviously like walked up behind you and gone like, and she, she looks and she's like, "Oh, are, are you a soldier?" Hey, no. She says, "Oh, I've heard, I've heard, uh, I've heard my father tell her." Have stories about uh, all, all the soldiers he served with, and uh, you've got all these, uh, all these uh, shiny armor and all these weapons and whatnot. No, I'm an explorer. So, oh, what's that? Uh, it means we go out, go to the places no one's been to yet. She she nods, and then says, uh, "Have you found anything exciting? Any?" Any adventures, or have you fought any monsters? Oh, fought plenty of monsters. Oh, what sort of monsters? Rock monsters. And you, you sort of regale her with tales of like the monsters you fought, and her eyes are like getting like wider as she's like, hanging on your words as you're like telling her. It's like this is obviously like the most exciting thing she's like ever heard, other than like a father being like oh, during my days in the war. She's probably heard all of his stories like a million times. And then you guys have rocked up and you're like actual adventurers and you're like, yeah, I fought giant rock monsters, I fought vampires. What of it? 
and she's obviously very impressed by the, the tales of your guys' bravery, at which point the, uh, the farmer, uh, William, looks over and he says, uh, oh, if, if she's bothering you, you sir, just a, just a sure way. He's like, Alice, don't, don't, don't go bothering the nice gentleman there. All right, I'll keep the curious. He says, he says, oh, yeah, uh, more than most. Uh, I'm just hoping it doesn't get her into trouble as she, uh, as she gets older. I've, tr I've tried to get across to her. Uh, she th she thinks all these, like, all these old tales I've got of, like, battles and whatever, the shinks there. She thinks they're all exciting and it's, everything's a game when you, you're that age. I've tried to get across to her that, like, yeah, okay, it's exciting sometimes, but it's also dangerous and scary. But, you know, like, you, you can't tell children. What can you tell them? He's like, go on, Alice. Go on. It's dangerous and scary, but well, yeah. sometimes and for some people, that's the attraction. Quite quite true. So quite. Go on, Alice. Get, get inside. Go and help your mother out. And the... The, the young girl like, looks at you, smiles, and she like, scampers off back into this little farmhouse. Okay, what do you guys want to do now? Let's go home. Yeah. Should be moving on. Okay. And as you say that, we're going to take a, a sort of 15 minute comfort break here, you know, use the facilities, refresh your drinks, etc. We'll start off again at half past. So we'll be back in about 15 minutes. Cool. Arnold? Should have told that farmer to start growing some garlic. That's it, the miracle plant. That's it, mate. You need to grow two things. What? You need to grow some of this tobacco and you need to grow garlic. Yeah. I hear there's a future in old adobe and garlic. <laughs> That's it. Brock will buy all your garlic. It's okay. That's all died out, surely. That's all gone now. Never too careful, bro. Need that garlic in your life. Oh no! If you find some, he'll get some definitely. I might be able to grow it a bit easier now. The weather's a bit better. Yeah. If anyway, imagine him, Brock, going to war covered in garlic, but. Yeah, going up that north place. Need some pure garlic essence. I'll just crush this bulb with my bicep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see that as a new body spray or deodorant roll-on. 
essence, the garlic. Garlic, the barbarians. <laughs> That's a good advert there somewhere. back to the campaign in like 20 years time and like Brock's like a Brock's like a garlic perfume seller millionaire <laughs> garlic baron I call it garlic <laughs> that's what you need man. You, know, what... you know those old like glass like perfume sprayers with the thing on it you need yeah. some of them like crushed below the garlic in it like <laughs> I'm waiting to find out the sage is still alive and he just presents Malcolm with a bill when we turn up. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if, but taking into account back pay and uh, current interest rates. Mm. That's where all our money went. And <laughs> built anything at all. If you get that, there's actually less of the village left. And it's just like one really grand house with like queer. Yeah, it's just one massive house with coins spilling out in the windows. Made out of rhinestones. I know Thomas Hospital, I don't remember there being a, a disco ball in New Zealand when we were last here. <laughs> like Queen, like, queen had like a white disco right. suit, John Travolta style. Well, like disco stew, but. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> We were just speculating about whether you were, um, when you bounce up to New Zealand, the first you're going to see is like Quelac, like giving you like a bill for like his back pay. Ten long years I've been waiting for this paycheck, you bastard. Yeah, I'm not so sure he was that healthy when we left, though, was he? <laughs> He's pretty old. Yeah, he was struggling to get about a bit then, wasn't he? Yeah. So I'm gonna need to find a new background for the stream because like having all this like snow falling behind everything's like not really that appropriate now. <laughs> Is it just turned to rain though, or or is it something else? How are you guys finding the um, the point crawl stuff so far? I mean, we haven't used it too much yet, obviously. Um, but it was the colours were the uh, how easy the the um, terrain was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, um, the that's the, the speed you can. Pull. Yeah, the, the green nodes are like a distance of like six miles between them, and they're open. Terrain. Six. Oh. Yeah. The yellow is a distance of four miles, and it's slightly difficult terrain. If you see any red ones, they're like a distance of three miles, and they're very difficult terrain. 
yeah. but obviously because of how it affects your movement effectively you can always really like an average party be able to travel like four nodes because obviously like although it covers less distance your travel time is reduced the more dif well the distance you can travel is reduced based mm. on um what terrain you're going through the colors are just closer together for the darker colors yeah basically yeah 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 and obviously how many obviously you don't have to travel your full allotment but uh, no how many segments you travel through determines what dice are rolled for yeah the um the random encounter so if you do two it's like a d6 if you do three it's a d8 four it's a d10 anything more than that it's a d12 and you roll up one of those dice for each node you've gone through and you get a one there's like a random encounter mm-hmm is roughly how it works yeah okay so we're all back so presumably you guys are continuing your travels towards new zealand yep yep okay so the first day you you travel around the coastal path and as you reach this area you see there is like another sort of pathway that is leading further into the the wolf forest which I will display now basically it's an alternate route Is that fairly well trodden, is it? Right. Yeah, again, it appears to be fairly well trodden. You expect, given that the hunter you spoke to previously was like, oh yeah, they make a, they make a good business and then wolf pups in uh, New Zealand, that there's probably a number of like uh, trails that are regularly used by trappers and hunters. This seeming to be one of them based on like your examination of the area. But there's probably also tracks left by like the animals given like the size of like, the wolf pack that's moving through the area it's extremely unlikely they they don't have sort of well-traveled trails as well did we see any little huts of any of these hunters and trappers and stuff on the way well, i'm just about to make a uh... in fact oh. i'll tell you what why don't uh in fact, why, why don't you roll for this because it'll depend come down to like random encounters basically so would you roll me 4d10 please brock Four D ten. Indeed. And basically we'll just see if any of them caught with the one. Not on that roll. Okay, so no you've not come across anything particularly noteworthy aside from this like secondary trail as you've been moving. Uh, in the in the distance, I mean you, you can't see New Zealand proper, but in the distance sort of over the rise you can just catch sight of what appear to be the very tops of two square stone towers which must mm. rise pretty high into the air given that you can see them yep so before we go in there i think there's a couple of things we need to just stop and consider because i've been thinking about them okay and you guys you guys are settling down in the evening as you're having this conversation you all need to eat a ration you can all regain 1d3 hit points but yet, as you're setting up for the night and you're working out your watches and whatever, you are free to discuss whatever you see fit. So, 
obvious things. We've now got two of these swords. Malcolm's got a green one. Wymore's got a sunny one. What we've done seemingly for us yesterday has happened sometime in the past here. Going back to things I'm aware of that we had on the boil, so to speak, Malcolm made a deal with the Jenny. That's obviously a deadline we've missed. So there's potential fallback from that straight away. Um, the changes to the village, so to speak, you know, they're at the moment inconsequential to what has happened. Malcolm, have you heard anything else from the fairy woman since doing what they asked? No. Because obviously I'm aware now that we've done something they wanted to happen. So... Again, there could be potential fallback or kickback from that, from themselves. So, what I'm thinking is, <clears throat> you know, I know it's home, but what kind of danger are we currently bringing back with us? I think the, the Pike Jenny Green feet yeah. um, our deal or my deal with her was that she would leave the village alone and we would do this deed and if the deed wasn't done she would continue to harass the village um, so I don't think we need to be concerned on that front that um that all these years later that she would be looking for vengeance um because that was one favor in trade for another and she didn't get her favor which meant she no longer obliged to give us ours um the fairies they got what they wanted. They should be happy. Um, the fate doesn't really go together. True. Um, yeah, and I guess we need to know what where they sit in this new world. And obviously, we need to remap what we know because what we know is no longer necessarily true. Yes, and then we have to, um, the farmer indicated that 
Mercy Dixon is paranoid um, as a result of the betrayal of Lord Brennan. Which is something you foresaw coming? Somebody foresaw coming? I guess we always believed that he had killed the previous Lord. Um, And I guess we knew he was doing sketchy stuff in the mountains. Um, We knew we had that orb thing. Which orb thing? It was the orb uh, that controlled the dragons or something like that. the... uh... The orb that in in the vision he was intending to use to, uh, I suppose, uh, infuse himself. And the orb's okay. power. that was confirmed at the meeting, wasn't it? That he had, they had the orb. Mm. Um, so I think we know who the dragon is that's living in this Wyvern Mountains that there was discussed. Uh, I can't imagine the bounty having continued since no one has had any success finding us for 10 years. Yeah, my guess is the pirates have other bigger I'd problems. Scurvy, probably. Mm. Um, but I think we might need to be careful with Mercy. Yeah, and also there was that pirate that had the dark blade Oscar yeah so John um, yes uh, putting a hand on the hilt of the sword uh, I'd like to think at it is is there a way that you can tell which way your sole missing uh, compatriot is? Meaning the Nightblade. Yes, I I, I believe it's uh, I, I believe it's somewhere to the to the northwest, but uh, the the sense I have of it is very faint. Uh, but perhaps it's a it's inside something or it's underground or something like that, but definitely to the northwest of here. And I'll you know, let go of the sword and I say Sword says that the night blade is somewhere to the northwest. Maybe uh, far at, away. At least at least four days travel. Yeah, it says a bit over half a week away, at least. We definitely need to stock up on rations and yeah, but I also don't. And... I think we need to find the lay of the land and the politics. Yeah. I don't know that we should instantly start running after the sword. I think it's a whole new land. Um, the religions have changed. The politics has changed. Um, it might be useful for us to understand more about the players and the factions in play. Mm-hmm. Um, try and find ourselves some um, money and set up a base and um, 
Yeah, rather than just. Yeah, no, but at, at least we've got confirmation. It, it is around. Yes. Do we know exactly what will happen if we get all three? I don't think so. Uh, we've seen a lot of art and visions about that sort of thing, but if, if, if I had to go based on those, I'd say maybe if if we get them together, somehow release whatever that was, that was used to make them. I don't know, that might be... Have the two swords been in close proximity yet? I mean, proper close. I mean, you've not sort of like touched them together like one to twin powers or anything. But um, they, yeah, they've been fairly close to each other. You've all been travelling together. Yeah. And uh, the sun sword has not mentioned anything since we've attained it, has it? It's not mentioned anything specifically about the green sword. You tried talking to the green sword, Malcolm. No, because it's a sword. That's right. Well, you say that, Malcolm. <laughs> but my sword talks to me. So you tell us. But yeah. <laughs> well, let me put it this way. I talk to my sword. I'm just... I've also seen you talking to rocks. <laughs> it's very nice rocks. Just thinking maybe it's worthwhile trying to find out if there is another consciousness. Since Weimar believes his has a consciousness. I I offer it to each and every one of you to check, but I know that that would I'm not, not end well. That sword ever again, thank you very much. <laughs> that, that would that would be a terrible idea. And I know Brock wouldn't touch it anyway, so it's corrupted your mind. I don't need it to corrupt mine. <laughs> oh no, the war did that. It's uh-huh. It's... Well, it ain't helped. <laughs> and as you're all saying this from across the the clearing where you have made your your camp, a figure moving silently. None of you heard it approach. Like barely seems to like make a sound at all, but is dressed in the the brown hooded robes that are priest or perhaps a friar might wear sort of steps silently out of the trees and stops maybe 10 feet away from you guys it's not wielding a weapon or anything like that it's heads down you can just about make out some features even though they're like casting shadow because of this hood it might not be a wielding weapon but I'm definitely going to grab hold of my dagger yeah that's fine um, will you join us? The the figure walks around to like the logs, you know, that you sat on, standard campsite layout, sits down on one of the logs, and as it does so, he pulls back his hood, and there is a figure which Brock and Quentin don't recognise, but Malcolm and Weimar, you recognise the figure of Brother Lomas. looking much as he did last time you saw him before his untimely demise 
to my feet and I'll <laughs> pull out the sand. Sorry. Just... Yeah. So, so this guide comes out and to, to you guys, he's just like a slightly like fat, like fryer. Sits down, takes his hood off. He looks all calm and chill. And as soon as he pulls his hood off, like why miles up with like his sword out. Don't... Relax there, Weimar. Don't so we... take this the wrong way, but I'm going to need it you to tell us who you are, what you're doing, where did you come from, where are you going right now? And uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> with my uh, like other hand, I'll, I'll reach into my pack and I'll just grab one of the, the dozens of uh, garlic bulbs and I'll, <laughs> I'll get it and I'll start crushing it in my hand. Yeah, the pungent smell of garlic and the... <laughs> Uh, I've got the the fist of vampire death now. <laughs> As you see, like the juices running down Weimar's forearm, the the figure still has this sort of beatific smile on his face, holding its hands up like that. You see, it doesn't appear to have any weapons. Mm -hmm. Sort of stands up when you say, "Oh, I'm going to need to know who you are, what you're doing here, etc." Walks and begins walking very slowly with its hands held up like that towards Malcolm. I'll, Again, I'll it doesn't do, make a sound as it yeah. moves. Not even the rustling of fabric. I'll I'll do this to like sprinkle the garlic juice at this <laughs> figure. Yep, you splash some garlic <laughs> juice towards it, and it appears to have no effect. And as you watch, you see that the the drops of garlic juice actually yeah. seem to like pass straight through this figure and like land on the floor behind it. I'm just I'm looking at everyone else and just shaking my head. Yeah, I'll, I'll be standing up at that point and draw my weapon. This yeah. stuff's going through it. That, that's not natural. That's, yeah, but uh... <laughs> both you and Lan are like on your feet, like weapons out, like ready to go. It, it continues again, the same smile, that like peaceful smile, never leaving the figure's face, continues to walk slowly to Malcolm. As it gets sort of like a couple of feet from you, Malcolm, it stops, again, still smiling. At which point, it sort of lowers one of its hands and it points the sword that you wear at your side okay so i'll put my hand on the sword and i'll take the sword out but not in a, like a an aggressive weimar way but more in a i hold it out towards them yep you hold the you hold the sword out towards this this figure that may or may not be masquerading as brother lomas the the figure smiles. It doesn't reach out to touch the sword or anything. It just smiles and nods. Okay. Um. Um. I'll offer him the hilt and see if he takes it. It, it. The figure doesn't reach out to take it, but it seems to find this quite funny and like, laughs. Although when it laughs, like no sound comes out, but you can see it like... Okay. Okay. And then, then it's sort of like, still with a smile on its face, like shakes its head slightly and it sort of just makes a gesture like that towards the sword like, like okay. he's trying to push it back towards you but like never actually touches the sword okay 
And he nodded when I took the sword out. Yep. Okay. Uh, and now he's just... So if I'm holding the sword out to him, he's just kind of looking at me again. Yeah, he's just sort of looking at you and sort of going like that as though he's like... He would be like just sort of gently pushing it back towards you, but he's not actually touching it. He's just sort of going like that. Okay. So... Uh, okay, so I'll just, I guess, continue to hold it out like this and just kind of wait and see what he does. After a few moments, the, the figure sits back down, still smiling, sits back down on the log where it was sat before, turns to like face all of you, and it's just sat there with a smile on its face. Okay. Um, I wonder, Weimar, if we could ask your sword if it can speak to my sword um, and find out what's going on. Yeah, so I'll, I'll point the sun sword at the green steel and think at the sun sword like can you f- reach out perhaps somehow well, yes this, of course I, 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 I fear that whatever this is is rather beyond my and Malcolm's ability to, <laughs> to navigate whatever what is there's um, uh, an apparition um, no there isn't Are you sure? Yes, of course I'm sure. I've I've slain many a many a grisly creature of the grave in my day. I I, I know a filthy fowl and dead when I smell it. I wonder if you're going to need my eyes to see this. If you can't. You'd be uh, welcome to take a look. Okay, well if if you insist. And you gain like a brief sense of like the energy of the sword moving through you, but you're quite sort of in tune with the sword. You've held it for a long time, so it's not uncomfortable. It's just an odd sensation. It's going to possess my eyes only. <laughs> Pretty much, it's more sort of like you get the feeling like as you're looking at this that like there's someone stood like just behind you, so like you can like feel their breath on the back of your neck. Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know there's yeah. no one there. Uh, yeah. At which point, the sword's like, "Oh, I see." Uh, Yes, that that thing you're seeing. Well, I don't really know how to explain it, but it, it's not actually there. Yeah, I, I sort of gathered that when the garlic juice went through it. But what is, I, what has it been doing? Gesture. Oh, hold on a second. Help. This disorientating. Let me give your eyes back. <laughs> there we go. That's uh, better. Now, uh, what is this? This. Let's call it an apparition for sake of ease. What has this thing it's, been doing? It's making movements at Malcolm and the sword. And I think it's trying to communicate something, but I don't think we can necessarily figure out what this is because it's not, as you said, uh, an apparition proper. Well, I've, uh, I- I've got a thought. Just give me a moment. And then you, you feel like the presence of the sword like receding. Mm-hmm. And then a few moments later, it comes back and says, yeah, so just as I thought, uh, the the apparition you're seeing, that is the sword. I'll say with my actual 
physical mouth <laughs> to Malcolm. <laughs> I was like, swords saying that that's the sword. Um, can it speak to it? I don't think so. It can. It can barely barely tell that it's there. Okay. Yeah, uh, the, the sword's carrying and talk to you while I'm on the sun yeah. sword, and it's like, well, yes, you see, because we're all a, uh, we're all different fragments of the same whole. Uh, we we all communicate in different ways. Uh, so whilst I, uh, whilst I, uh, this is the same for all, e- even le- lesser enchanted blades. Uh, we all communicate. I can communicate with you psychically, I suppose you might say. Uh, it appears as though the the green steel is uh, communicating in a visual way uh, by creating a, a figment, if you will, mm. that it can interact with you with. I'll say to Malcolm, um, sword saying that it's you're not going to be able to talk to the green steel. Uh, because the green steel makes this sort of gesture at the average. Okay. The, the green steel makes this a pa- pantomime show. Yes. Um, if I was to hazard a guess at the sun sword, I would, I would guess that whilst it could probably hear and understand its wielder, perhaps it doesn't have the the finely tuned uh, methods of communicating back that I have. I, I would. If I had to hazard a guess, I would guess that it's a, it's reached into its wielder's mind and selected an image which he associates with uh, goodwill and uh, peace and uh, comradeship, and it has manufactured this figment out of this image so that it would not appear threatening. Sword says that the green still wants to be friends, and that's why we are seeing this now. Okay. But it's it's not gonna talk, so okay. whatever it has to tell you is gonna be like this. And okay. as as we sort of, or at least I, having seen some of the the, the paintings and and whatnot, and the visions, uh, yeah, the the swords are in fact a, a fractured whole. And Quentin, you you, incidentally, um, I think there's. There's probably something to be done once we have all three. Okay. Notes. Um. So if I sit down across from the former Brewer Lomas, um, indeed the artist formerly known as, um, I will ask, uh, can you understand what I am saying? It smiles, it smiles and nods. Okay. Um, is there anything I can do for you? At, at which point it, it holds its hand up like this, and you see like another little sort of like phantasm appear, sort of hovering over its hand. You see three swords. They all sort of slide towards each other silently. Then there's, they all seem to merge together. They transform into like a little sort of shining spot of light, which like shoots upwards and then dis towards the sky and then disappears. Okay. Okay. Um, well, we uh, we have some tasks to complete, but certainly 
in the the near future we will certainly do everything we can to find the third sword so that you can be uh thinking of us um returned to your full self the figure the sooner the better as far as i'm concerned so you don't have to torture yourselves like madmen <laughs> well listen here brock they were talking about the land heaving mountains coming up going down i think we're probably going to look at a similar if not even more drastic event if we have the three blades and we i suppose we're going to have to break them or melt them or something like that in order to you know get whatever's in there out and <clears throat> maybe into a hole again uh, that seems like it would be a very very big event to me so at least the lands may return to normal that's true that's true once Something a curse has been left yeah anyway um well that's good um Anyone want garlic? <laughs> <laughs> like, look at the crushed bulb in my hand. I'll have some. And as you say that, sort of like instantly, like the the figure of Brother Lomas just like disappears. It's there one second and it's just gone. So I'll I'll give you a, a couple <laughs> a couple bits, Brock, and oh yeah, I'm getting used to that stuff. Yeah, yeah, we've probably been using some of it as rations, like some jerky and some fresh garlic <laughs> cloves and them. Yum, yum. Well, you know what I say, a clove a day keeps the vampire away. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and eventually, you are half garlic, half person, so okay. you're safe. And that is how Brock became enshrined as the inventor of garlic bread. <laughs> as, he, as he took on a vampire with just a few cloves of garlic, some butter and a baguette. <laughs> a double-handed baguette. Obviously, he's got standards. Yeah, yeah. Brock's bakery. <laughs> In his retirement, he's, he's going to be dual wielding. You know, <laughs> some <laughs> but dual do needed. <laughs> some dough. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you guys camp for the evening. Obviously, rations, hit points, etc., as normal. You, there's no further phantasmal visitations from the the green steel or anything like that. morning the sun rises over the horizon you are nearer the coast now there's a, a fresh sort of coastal wind with a tang of salt air wafting across make things a little bit more chill early morning but like compared to that previous Valconian weather it's still warm so what do you guys want to do I think that to New Zealand push on this in sight okay Quentin, can you roll me four d10, please? That's how many direwolves ambush us before we go. <laughs> <laughs> that's how many vampires are hiding in the bush. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Nine direwolves come up. Nine. Okay.
the system over what my computer's like. No, I'd, uh, I'd actually like to be terribly slow now, John, if you don't mind. Uh, so you travel for about uh, four hours. Nothing of particular note has occurred. You're traveling along the coast. You're seeing the, the top of these towers getting closer and closer. As you're as you're into that, the second sort of four hour chunk of your day, effectively, still following the coast around because the terrain's the easiest to follow. Like I said, the looming prospect of these two towers and New Zealand getting ever closer. As you're wandering around, you see sort of sat not too far away, sort of on the coast, what appeared to be two men. They're wearing like long sort of like waxed jackets. They're wearing like big tall boots, like waders. They've got uh, fishing nets next to them, a couple of fishing rods. Sort of like they're, they're basically on like a sort of shallow sort of beach on the coast, and they're people like dangling their rods in the water. They've got a few fish they've caught already in the nets next to them. As you're sort of like passing, one of them like gives you a wave. way back I think since we're heavily armed armoured group try not to scare people yeah they, they they seem a little bit puzzled by your sort of slightly strange appearance when you wave back they seem to relax a little bit and the, the second one like gives you a wave as well and he, you even like shout out they're still a bit of distance away so the voice is a little bit faint and he's like, uh, he's like morning to you strangers uh, where are you heading Hours. He says, oh, you'll be on your way to New Zealand, yeah? Yeah. He says, oh, well, safe, safe travels to you. Cheers, mate. How much for some fish? He says, oh, just a couple of silver would do him. Yeah. He says, they're, they're not the biggest, unfortunately. It's not the best spot for fishing, but... I'll, um, I'll give Quentin a couple of silver and uh, get some for me too I really really want some fish after all that jerky yeah so <laughs> you, you give them like you give them like um, how many how many fish do you want to buy like say it's a couple of silver per fish I give him what two gold and just okay. get lots of fish because I'm fed up of eating dry bread and crackers and yeah, they, they give you a load of these small fish or like pilchard sort of style fishes effectively it equates to like four days rations worth of fish and he's like it, it takes a coin just like, oh th thanks very much he's like now you either want to eat them pretty sharpish or uh, get some salt on them or you don't want them going bad or the smell something terrible oh i think we're going to wander about two hours up the beach and then fry the bastards oh yeah yeah you're fine then he says uh I was just seeing your packs there, and I was thinking, oh, don't be like putting them in your packs and forgetting about them. Oh, I did that one, so it took me a month to get the smell out. No, I can no. imagine. Yeah. He says, anyway, uh, th thanks very much, uh, strangers. Uh, safe journey to you. Have a good one. And you guys obviously continue on your way. Unless anyone else has anything they want to uh, bring up with the fishermen. No, I think 
I think we're good to go. I think we're just all yeah. thinking, hmm, something that's not crackers. Yeah, something <laughs> like half fresh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no problems. So you continue your journey onwards. We'll stop about halfway though just to eat these fish. So um get Malcolm or Brock to start a fire. And then we can all just sit there eating fish and staring at the sea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no problems. You uh, you sit in a sort of little bay area because there's like this shallow beach here. You set yourself a fire going. You fry up these fish. They fry up quite nicely. You eat these uh, fish. As you're sort of eating these fish, you are. Uh, you hear a voice and you see like a figure coming down the uh, the beach towards you and there's a guy wearing like furs and like leather he's uh, he's got like a a bow like unstrung over his uh, shoulder and he says uh uh oh there he says uh, do, do you mind if i uh do you mind if i stop and share a, a little, little bit of your food strangers uh, hunting's been a bit uh, lean recently eat the fish just don't talk He's like, oh, right you are. And he sits down and like tucks into a bit of like whatever spare fish you've got going. So uh, for this day, none of you, you can just like cross off like a ration each from your fish. So effectively, you'll have had all of your fish at the, at the end of this day, but you don't mm-hmm. need to twitch your other rations. Yeah, the, this guy sits down. He looks, uh, as you've asked him to, Quentin, he doesn't say a word apart from just like, oh, thanks when you like him some fish. He, he's obviously dressed like a sort of hunter type. You know, he's got like, the, the fur-lined boots, the furs, etc., He's, uh, he, he tucks into his fish. Uh, he stands up and he says, uh, "Right, well, I'll, uh, thanks, thanks very much uh, for letting me share food. Uh, I'll be, uh, I'll be on my way. Uh, but um, it, can, can I give you a couple of coins uh, at least to thank you for it? Give me some information. Oh, okay. Um, well, if I can. Who's the captain of the guard in that town? He says, "Oh, well." Uh, what um, in New Zealand? Yeah. He says, uh, "Well, as far as I recall, it's a man by the name of uh, Francis O'Brien." And uh, what day's market? He says, "Well, uh, Sunday normally." That's great. Unless any of these three want to ask you a question. Thanks for your company and being quiet. He says, no, not at all. But thanks for the fish. So do any of you guys have anything out, anything you want to ask the hunter before he gets on his way? No, no I'll leave him to his, to his own. Yeah, so long. Yeah, he thanks you all again for the fish and he He's obviously following the sort of coastal route that you've just come down, and he he heads off. Okay, it's evening as you round the coastline, and you gain your first sight of your once homeland, your home village, New Zealand. You see two large square stone towers, one either side of the the mouth of the great river. The the borders of New Zealand have 
grown a fair bit larger since you were last here. And you can see that whereas it was described as a stone wall, it's not actually a complete stone wall. It looks to be the original wooden wall, but there's various like scavenged large pieces of stone have been sort of like pushed up against it as like extra reinforcement around the edges. Uh, you can see just over the wall, you can see like the tops of like houses, like thatched roofs, etc. Stuff like that. You can see there are men stood on the the wall, the battlements, such as they are effectively. You see they're all holding like muskets and various black powder firearms. They all appear to be wearing sort of like these like three-pointed hats. They're wearing like dark sort of like long purple coats, like a bit of embroidery on them. And you see they're all sort of like stood there sort of like scanning the horizon, obviously looking for potential dangers, presumably, to New Zealand. You see there's a at intervals there's like a couple of like sort of wooden gates built into the walls. Well there we are. Yeah, let's see how welcoming they are. As you, I'll let you figure that one out, Brock. As you continue moving up, you see that the, the gates that you've spotted appear to be open. There's like people going in and out of them. You see there are like a few of these like soldiers slash guards with firearms stood at the gates. And they're obviously like checking out people as they walk through, but they're not like stopping anyone or like questioning them or anything like that. Until Wymore pop, pops through with his silver shiny arm. <laughs> oh. <laughs> one thing yeah. that, um, Brock, make me a D6 roll. D6. <clears throat> that would be a three. Okay. One thing you do spot that's like a little bit odd is, as like I said, the guards aren't stopping people as they walk through the gates. But you notice there's another, it's like a robed figure, maybe it's a priest, sort of wearing dark purple robes, and he stood there holding what looks to be like a, a metal stick, it has like a metal ball with holes on the end of it, and as people are walking through, he's sort of going like that and like waving it over people as they walk through, and occasionally you see like drops of like liquid come out of this, this like sensor that he's waving about. Does it give off any strong odour, this stuff? You're not quite near enough at first, but oh, right. as you're like mixing with the crowd and presumably heading in, you're like, mm. it's like garlic I can smell. It's good to be home. <laughs> Someone's got to, got to it before me. Someone's stolen my essence of garlic. And this this priest stood there as people walking in occasionally. He's like, oh, blessing of the gods on you. And he's like shaking his sensor about and occasionally like a few drops of liquid come out. And like pe people are just walking through like it's perfectly normal. Like drops fall on and they're like, and they just carry on through. So you're guessing that this probably happens like, a lot because like people are like, "Oh my god, what are you doing? You're like sp spraying your, your your garlic jouse on me." They start walking through. <laughs> yeah. Well, as as we walk through, I hold my hands out and try and get a few drops, splash it on. Yeah. The um. The, the sort of like the robed priest smiles at you and he like deliberately goes like that with it over your hands till you've got like a little pool of like garlic essence in your hands. Yeah, I'll give it a bit of an aftershave. Yeah, yeah. Tap on my face. Nice. You splash it on a bit. Yeah. The, the priest sort of like makes a strange symbol in the air with his sensor. A few more splatters go out and he's like, 
Blessings of the gods on you, my son. May I'll yeah, just give him a nod. May the fragrant essence of the gods protect you from all harm. <laughs> yeah, and I'll uh, I'll try and walk in then. Yeah, no problem. You walk in, and as you walk in, followed by your companions, presumably, unless anyone wants to do anything worthy with the garlic priest on the way in. No, no, no. You get a few sort of like raised eyebrows and odd looks, well, particularly from the guards, due to your manner of dress. But like, mm -hmm. you're not actually causing any trouble. You're not just walking in with weapons out, so they're like, All "Right, you're dressed a bit funny, but it's not the worst thing in the world." You walk in, and the first thing that meets your gaze as you walk in is a large central statue of a hooded figure holding a set of scales in its outstretched hand. A huge, probably about seven foot statue that towers above you. Mm. And written on the, sort of carved into the, the plinth base of this statue is the legend, Judge Not Lest Ye Be Judged. And that is where we're going to end the session for this evening, guys, as you mm. stride into. New Zealand sprinkled with the righteous garlic of the Lord. And you see this huge statue of the judge, perhaps the fruit of Malcolm's earlier labours. We will find out next session. Thank you very much for playing, guys. I hope that was okay for you. Yeah, yeah cool. I really enjoyed it. Okay, obviously we'll we'll sort out XP and whatnot shortly. But for now, it just remains for me to thank my wonderful players and to anyone who's watching this either now or in the future. And hopefully you'll join us next time for further adventures in the garlic infused world of smoke and snow. Take care.